0: Um. It looks like your lovers are pretty good. Um. Uh, can you tell me more about the unicorn?
1: Oh no. What do you want to know about the unicorn?
0: Um. Th- uh, what does it eat?
1: Oppression. He's <laughs> <laughs> so good. And that's why they don't exist. <laughs> yeah. <You're> right. Oh. <laughs> that's so accurate. It's a little sad. You sure everything's going good and just like this whole need for you know these these. De- these teachers uh and faculty to try to save us and you know when you keep getting someone trying to save you like what am i being saved from welcome to your
0: eulogy today we talk about racism and mental health with someone with first-hand experience so that means that you'll have secondhand experience and if you tell someone about this episode that means they'll have third-hand experience and then you can get them to email me at your eulogy mail at gmail.com have them email me so that they can be on this podcast so that they can tell me what it's like to have three hands (laughs) okay my guest today is lamisha last name withheld um lamisha is a great person and it was a very good interview i'm honored that she chose to tell us about her life and her struggles um with a having a mother with schizophrenia and dealing with the racism that comes along with being black in minnesota uh, she tells us about her struggles, but she also tells us about other great stuff. I don't mean other great stuff as in like her struggles are great stuff. Oh, oh you know what I mean. I'm sorry, Misha. Um, She's had a cool life and she's a inspiring person. Um, Thank you, Misha, for your time. Here is the theme song. Welcome to your eulogy, the podcast where we talk to someone about their life in order to talk to them about their death. Um, today, I have. Do you want me to use your full name,
1: Demisha, or Misha? Like Misha, nice to Misha.
0: Okay, <laughs> um, she is a a whole bunch of stuff. Um, how how would you like to be your life to be represented in a bio? <laughs>
1: hmm, I never thought of that question. I'm thinking along the lines of like Anna Nicole Smith, but not with that tragic last part.
0: Okay, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm fake laughing. I don't know what you're referring to. Oh, Anna oh, Nicole the, the, Smith. The yeah. Smith part. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: um, that's just a hard question.
0: Cool. That's what. The, that's what the the second name for the other alternate name for this podcast was the hard question. The
1: hard question. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, but uh, Lamisha is um a dancer uh, singer writer uh, works um, with um tech support customer support yeah um a full full person yes. I think do you agree with that do you feel filled or, or is there anything that you have lacking in your life?
1: I would say I'm lacking in expanding in my creative areas, such as dancing and writing and and whatnot. Obviously, I've explored work, you know, and, and just trying to find that balance outside of work uh-huh. and, you know, where to start, you know, what am I gonna put my effort into? Um, those kinds of things. Okay, right on. Um, every episode, I
0: start the episode with a joke and I forget to tell the joke until about halfway through so i'm going to actually try to do it um, <laughs> um i think we're going to talk about race later because we have, we're going to talk about that doctor, weird dr phil thing and oh, so yeah. i tried to come up with one of my good old jokes about racism um it, it, <laughs> this joke is in america it's okay to do racist things as long as you're not a racist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is like being allowed to drive drunk as long as you weren't an alcoholic yeah
1: (laughs) i think that's a very accurate statement all right um (laughs) yeah well should we just jump straight into the dr phil thing let's jump right on yeah
0: so you sent me when i asked you what you wanted to talk about if you had anything you um you're saying there was this there was this kind of fake episode of dr phil where this um teenage uh black girl came on talking about how she doesn't think she's black because
1: she acts white Mm -hmm. um transracial to be exact yeah (laughs) (laughs) don't get me started about that
0: (laughs) yeah well what what uh what uh, resonates with you when you when you saw that
1: clip well the self-hatred in that girl um at first i think i was I just had, you know, Facebook going on in the background and the video was playing. And she kept saying, well, yes, I'm white, you know. Um, So I went to school at Hopkins in Minnetonka, uh, predominantly white school up until about junior high school. And then, you know, a lot of kids who were black started coming in from Minneapolis. And I just remember getting bullied by a lot of, you know, people of my own race because I was too white. So, I remember having this joke, and I just like, you know, since I just kept getting called white, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I am white. What are you talking about? (laughs) So, it was kind of like the inside joke with myself, where like my means of trolling back (laughs) was to just be like, yeah, I am white. What are you talking about? I'm dark white. And just like, I just kept going on with it. Um, Actually, I don't think, at least one bully for sure, I don't think they really understood. that I was playing. Oh, really? So that's that's what was even more unique. Yeah,
0: uh, my high school experience was crazy because I went to a uh, an all boy male Catholic military prep school. Whoa, <laughs> Thomas <laughs> St. Thomas Academy, um, and it was um, super white. But it was the the, the kids that weren't white. Um, we never talked about it. So I, I really grew up in the invisibility um, of like the, the I like I don't see color mm-hmm. aspect of it, and just thinking about race in high school is is something that's foreign to me.
1: I felt invisible up until that part, that point when um, you know more kids who looked like me came in uh, in junior high school, because you know there were only so many black kids. I'm not going to say there weren't any. They you know there definitely were some of us, but. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, "Ooh, I don't want to really talk about race," mm-hmm. but you're there, so I'm gonna kind of acknowledge you're there, but I don't want to pay too much attention to it. That's how I felt with race. Yeah, until more kids came. Yeah, mm-hmm. more black kids came in. Yeah, and then wow, <laughs> I'm like, I thought I was black. Apparently, I'm not black enough. Oh, <laughs> could have been both sides.
0: Yeah, <laughs> my uh, my other race joke. Um, Let's, let's see if this one lands. <laughs> <laughs> Who, knows? Who knows? Wait <laughs> <it>? <laughs> um,
1: uh,
0: White people want to say the N word. Um, I think it's because we don't like being told we can't say it, um, which doesn't make sense because if we want to say what we're not allowed to say, how come white people aren't walking around yelling re- like reparations?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'll get right behind you like, yes, reparations. What? As <laughs> <I support you."> a <laughs> I think it's true. I think it's true. Um, mm. I ask people when they ask why can't I say the n word? Why do you want to? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't. And then why are you asking? Why can't you? I mean, it's a word. You can definitely say what you want, but there's consequences. You know. Um, I think everyone innately knows that it's wrong. There's mm-hmm. there's no denying that. It's just so kind of the the other Me Too movement. I call it or alternative Me Too is the, I want to (laughs) be marginalized too. Like, wait, these people are going through this. What about me? We go through this too. And it's just like, that's not what it's about. We understand that, you know, not every white person is afforded the same opportunities as the majority of white people. Mm -hmm. You know, some people who are white go through similar things that I may face as a black woman, but it's never going to be. The exact same way, just because of that. That, that, that didn't feel bad. Um,
0: one thing I always kind of wonder about when I talk to uh, black people about um, race, especially like for this interview, is: Do you ever feel like I'm reducing you as an interview subject um, by like talking about this? And we haven't really gotten to anything else, but sometimes I wonder um, if people feel minim- minimized. Ironically just by me focusing on this
1: no and here's the reason why because i mentioned to you know bring up the topic Mm. um i wanted to talk about that and and i don't i've tried to keep my my quiet you know my my peace and and whatnot on racism but it's like i uh, there's no there's no more time for neutrality there's no more time to just you know sit on the sidelines so i guess to answer your question no okay because um, you you did ask and i was ready yep. to do this. Anyway. we weren't at a party and i was like oh hey you're <laughs> right oh but gosh that happens all the time <laughs> <Can> you explain <laughs> to me <laughs> it's like yeah let me solve an answer for all black people <laughs> what you just asked me no. I, I can
0: <laughs> um speaking as a as a white person and from what i hear from other white people is like we're just sick of hearing about it
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think we just don't understand. I was trying to think of a good analogy. Oh, don't get me started <laughs> with that. <laughs> I, I think it's like, if you want to film a movie on a mountain, like a a movie about someone who lives on a mountain, uh-huh. the mountain's going to be in every shot. Yeah. And I feel that's what racism is. Yes. Like, it's the mountain that America's on. It's like, yeah, it's in every shot because it's touched everything.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you just brought up the, um, you know, I, I wish people would stop talking about race thing. Um, so the majority of men that I've dated have been white or people I've dated have been white. And um, by majority, I should just say all to thank back. <laughs> but uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been shut out, you know, with a oh, I'm just so tired of hearing about race. Pff, me too, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of living this. If you think you're tired of hearing, can you imagine what it feels like for me? Um, and specifically you mentioned something about seeing like hate signs, saw solid swastika this was like the same hmm, I'd say maybe a few months before the presidential election out in Afton um, there's this yard that has a ton of nooses that were just hanging out there and um, me and the guy I was with at the time we go on like these drives and, and whatnot we'd always go through Afton because there's a house out there that I'm like, oh, I want that so bad. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, I pointed that out and he was kind of like, oh, you're making too big of a deal. And I'm just like, look close. Do you know what a noose is? Do you know what that's used for? Do you see what that sign means? Do you see what that, you know, that black doll? I forgot what the name of the doll was, but um, it's one of those um, racist mammy dolls from oh, okay. like, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s and uh it just it was so unbelievable to me like how how much he had convinced himself not just in that you know situation but just overall um that a spade wasn't a spade for the sake of avoiding conflict yeah
0: man that's that's so scary i mean i'm so sorry you had to witness such um
1: intimidation and that's oh my god <laughs> that was nowhere near as bad as being you know invalidated by someone I love uh-huh. that was what hurts and um I'd say in the past few years it's been rough um, you know being a black woman and with my predominantly white friends or the people I'm dating that are white and just like realizing oh my gosh you don't get it or what's worse because not getting it that happens you know Mm -hmm. we need (laughs) you know we need to not know to learn something but not wanting to get it that hurts
0: you said um uh your mom has a mental illness yes is that correct would you like to talk about that yes you think it's fair um yeah um what does she have Paranoid schizophrenia okay. or
1: schizoaffective. I
0: was I was going to guess that um, because I think you said some posted something on Facebook. Usually I do a little bit of research on the uh, interviewee, um, but I didn't have a lot to go f- off of with you, so it was yeah, mostly it's mostly me about, on your Facebook.
1: There's not a, m- a lot about me, you know. When, when
0: I typed <laughs> your name into Google, um, you had a review, I think, on Dickie's
1: Southern... Seems oh like dixie's rest. yeah dixies. <laughs> and <laughs> i was just there the other day and i was thinking about <laughs> how i i uh, mentioned what i was eating um i think it was something about added- eating all by my damn self because no one would go <laughs> out and see uh, me mm-hmm. so i was like okay but yeah that's awesome please yeah, oh, some yeah. good gumbo oh yeah
0: we <laughs> were learning about gumbo and then i went to new orleans and we went to like find the best gumbo place and they said that there's this big vat and they said that they'd all they said they would just add more gumbo to it. So it's been the same vat for like a hundred years, which can't
1: be true. I, mean, I want to get the FDA involved in 120 mm. years. So, um,
0: how does it feel like to have a mother who has an illness that um, people don't understand? Um, I think people have the wrong idea of what, schizophrenia is um and how it's actually enacted uh, within a person
1: well i think the number one thing is having to constantly you know be on edge and like ready to either explain for her to her or like you know protecting her in a way and i mean that that came out even as a kid and it, it's not that, like, as a four year old, I'm like, I gotta beat these people up for my mom. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, she's doing this and it's not to harm you. So back the fuck up. <laughs> or, you know, that person had wasn't saying anything to you, mom. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. And um, that also translated with siblings that have that have illness, uh, where I just, I'm, kind of overprotective because of that um and I also had a hard time identifying and actually I still do to be honest um like what's real is this you know what's the word for it um, is this exaggerated is that distortion is that delusion there's some things that <laughs> I didn't know weren't true until like I was an adult and like even realizing that I didn't realize something, <laughs> yeah, wasn't um, that's real. that's really interesting. That's not something I um
0: um I would have thought about it at all. But you know, as as a parent, mm-hmm. they obs- they are your teacher and also observer. Yeah. Um, uh, were there any or are there any examples of anything that um, your mom would tell you that turned out to be misleading or?
1: Well, there's one that I think of that's common. I mean, I was able to get this a a while on, um, but people can see you through the TV. So, uh, and this was before, you can't actually have a chance of being seen through the TV. (laughs) I mean, now, you know, with with technology. Um, But, (laughs) so she would like... (laughs) Ma, you're right. Right? (laughs) It finally (laughs) happened. (laughs) Um, So she would like put, you know, clothes and towels or whatever over the tv while getting dressed and you know you better not caught getting dressed without Mm -hmm. that on there and so like i don't remember when it was how old i was when i realized that that wasn't true i think it started with uh as most of my realizations came from with someone else telling me like what the world are you talking about i'm just like well isn't that how it's supposed to go yeah, like what? where were your TV sheets? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you guys? Just going, Well, you guys don't this? have TV
0: sheets. <laughs> um, uh, how did how does your mom uh, experience um, these uh, delusions, or what what term would it be used? Because I don't want to use like a mean term. That's inaccurate.
1: distortions, um, and then also you know there's the mania, um, hallucinations, okay, and like that. I, ironically, it is nowhere near as bad as it was when we were growing up. Her her illness is, it's very managed. Um, I think it was just a lot of triggers. I mean, not for nothing, single mom, five kids, you know, mm-hmm. you gotta do this by yourself with a, you know, with a disability. What else? What, what else? That's intense. Do? And uh, was it like
0: a daily thing or would it come in waves the way like mania comes in waves? Yes
1: to both. <laughs> it just depended. I remember we had like the silent era. Is what I'm gonna call? I know that's a little weird, but um, it was not too long after my father left, and I'd say it lasted until so probably like nine to about eleven, where she would just have like she'd be violently angry, and it's like out of nowhere, so it's like coming waves, and like I call it silent silent era because we were pretty much just silent, <laughs> didn't want to like do anything that you know either trigger her into being paranoid or you know her thinking you know going deeper into paranoid. her thinking that we're talking about her or or anything like that just and, and you're talking about like nine to eleven
0: o'clock in the morning
1: no i'm sorry oh. <laughs> nine years old to 11. okay so mm-hmm. your
0: father left left gone like, around not eight. not yeah. in the picture anymore yep uh, okay yeah. so yeah that's that's intense um yeah.
1: well technically didn't leave she kicked him out, which is. Thank um, God. That sounds like
0: you would be very like hyper aware, um, and edgy. Um, yeah. <laughs> have Have you? How have you navigated that? Because just talking with you this afternoon, you don't have the same. Yeah, you you seem seem pretty good. You don't seem to be too consumed with um, you know, hyper vigilance that I've seen in other people um has your life
1: been like have you had to address it or
0: support?
1: oh constantly tons and tons of therapy um you are a product of your environment and having a lot trauma as a kid that translated into ptsd so like i have no choice but to keep checking um and you know i call it reality check or checking the facts um and just reflecting and yeah. at When I was, I guess I'd say younger adult, I used to think that's so horrible. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And then you get older and you're like, man, all these people aren't up
0: to game. what what's. (laughs) Um, One thing I said just a moment ago that I think is inaccurate is I was setting up a standard for like how normal people act. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think that's uh, ignorant the way I was like, oh, you seem normal why aren't you more like fucked up or no i'm used to it. i know <laughs> what you mean <laughs> yeah that's that's in haircut. you can be twitchy and whatever um and be a normal I, um, person <laughs> did you were you reticent for therapy because you associated it with your mother um, um was she getting a lot of uh, medical help during all of this
1: nope she wasn't um in fact i'm kind of glad she didn't and i'll i'll tell you a little more about that I in a second i it was something that i decided to do on my own um it started with having these huge panic attacks and not knowing that there were panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember, you know, like, oh, I'm just being scary, you know, it's just, just easy to scare and, you know, frighten. And then I'm just like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that anxiety means that I cry for no reason sometimes and that I'm shaky and all this um, other stuff. I think it was like when i was 16 10th 10th grade right before i dropped out high school um there was this psychiatrist mary wilkinson or something like that and um she was the one that brought the anxiety to my attention and it's like hey you know here's this prozac and uh feel it and be happy you know yeah it's like okay well i guess this is the path I'm supposed to go down. But then I'm just like, this isn't enough. Mm-hmm. It's like pills cannot be the answer alone. I mean, you know, now most people will agree that it's, you know, at most 10% of a solution for mental illness, and in this case, anxiety. Um, but uh, I just decided like, I need to see a therapist. Mm-hmm. And um I met this lady named Irene Sabin. My friend Drea introduced me to her. Um, She worked at the bridge and she became my therapist. Coolest lady ever. Yeah. Long, long dreads. She had two canes, just super badass. Whoa, two canes? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But she was, you know, nowhere near slow for someone with canes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she definitely saved my life. She um, was the first to tell me, like, you're not as crazy as you're making yourself to be. And making yourself to be being the key word is um, mm-hmm. in a way because of coming from my mom being so ill and then having siblings which who have worse disorders than me and I'm just kind of like the survivor syndrome thing. Like, oh my God, no, I, you know, there's gotta be something else wrong with me. So I kinda in a way made myself sicker oh. in order to relate and to empathize.
0: That's that's crazy because C- just the, the context that you grew up in was there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. While with me growing up, <clears throat> what was unhealthy for my mental health was is no- nobody was, you know, bad or whatever, quote-unquote, um, or didn't have any um, mental health issues. So it's like there couldn't be something wrong with me. Oh. You know, because with my context, having something to address just, like, wasn't really an option. So mm-hmm. I actually... Um, um had to stop drinking um but because nobody ever talked about that it just it like wasn't something i could believe in Mm -hmm. myself was the treatment um for schizophrenia um pretty shitty back in the day and that's why you're glad your mom wasn't uh treated
1: pharmacologically even to this day yeah even to this day it's horrible um because my opinion when when a disorder a mood disorder is you know to the extent that hers was you're on more medicine than you're not mm-hmm. you know um and she just she had weird behavior and she suffered so much more by going on i think it was like Haldol doll or whispered all. she's been on a few of them um and like she was like stacking stuff up on the bed and like she was having you know distortions and stuff that she that just didn't belong <laughs> her while using those medications and then when she got off of it i I just remember her saying like oh my god like i'm basically i'm doing this for you but this isn't yeah this isn't working and i didn't realize how much it wasn't working because she's one of those like she's a silent warrior Mm -hmm. or i should say a silent sufferer and a strong warrior on the outside and so I didn't really know these things until later on, and and like you know putting two to two together of House of Beer, it was uh, the side effects of the medication. Um, but her not being on medicine right now and therapy, and you know having her own space and being back in Hopkins, it, it's it's perfect. Yeah, she's doing so well. She's doing so well. Um.
0: Well, that's, that's really good news um, because I heard that there's not really treatments directly for schizophrenia mm-hmm. um, and, that, and I also heard one doctor say something I thought was, was helpful as he says people are always talk about side effects with drugs and he says drugs don't have side effects. Mm-hmm. They have effects. Mm-hmm. You know, like no drug just does one thing. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Right now in this moment, what do you feel about your experience being
1: alive? Hmm, I would say, what's the next step? (laughs) Because I don't even know where to begin. There's got to be more. It's, you know, so far, I want to just think of the early ages of me as just like, you know, just, just a little bit of dark ages. And then, you know, blossoming off into sunset and, you know, this awesome life and don't get me wrong i can feel it i do know that something is around the corner i just don't know what or when or where but um i i've you know i've got all the tools that i need to have that life uh-huh. and you know damn it i, I deserve it <laughs> all the stuff that i went through you know um so it's high time <laughs> um
0: your your mom sounds the way I picture is is she would be like two different people Um, Mm -hmm.
1: oh yeah to the point of it's like wow I haven't seen my mom since since before my dad left and it was kind of like that with all of my siblings it was just like one day switch went off permanently and uh, no one really came back my mom she already had stuff like that going on but this was just to a, a whole other extent. She really didn't say too much other than, like, you know, accusation or to respond to something that mm-hmm. we couldn't hear or see. And then, you know, now I'm watching, you know, other siblings doing the same thing, and I'm just like, well, something's wrong with me because I'm not hearing and seeing stuff. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I I view her as someone who – who's just super strong, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to have a conversation like we're having right now and then, you know, hearing different things and then, you know, um, you know, having, not being able to get over someone at the, the supermarket, whether they're talking about me or, or not, you know, I couldn't imagine going through that on a daily basis over and over again. And... Yeah.
0: yeah. Do you have uh, ever do you feel like you're um independent as like self um sufficient um or or do you have uh, other natural supports that we just haven't talked about
1: oh yeah i definitely am <laughs> um to the point of codependency hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i i definitely do feel like that i've been a woman in a sense since i was about 11 it mm-hmm. had to be, you know. So, like, me doing for myself isn't a problem. You know, it's second nature. Do I want to? No, not all the time, like, I would. <laughs> yeah. When you say codependent, did you mean you on other people or them on you? Me, like, doing for them. I guess You know, like, the- beating into the codependency, I guess. Does that make sense? Like, um enabling i guess yeah yeah okay i I can
0: it's kind of like the the caregiver
1: syndrome yeah
0: yeah well i mean you've been um you know you've been trained for that you've gotten um um are your siblings younger than you
1: oh no i'm the youngest you're the youngest
0: okay yeah so you weren't taking care of them but maybe you were i was yeah. yeah yeah
1: I'll let my sister hear that. Do I know? Uh that's what, beautiful. What? I mean,
0: one thing is it's unavoidable that that I always, you know, in an interview try to make it sound, you know, try to summarize someone's life and make it sound convincing, which it's it's never the case. Mm-hmm. Um but because it's it's inaccurate, but for just what we've talked about, um, it's just beautiful. You know, um picturing this, this small little collection of vignettes of you and your family, um yeah, I, I see I see a real struggle. Um, but a bunch of people and no real bad guy. Um, I'm just kinda of seeing I mean your dad doesn't sound very good. But <laughs> like within your family, it's you know, shit is really difficult, um, for a lot of people and um
1: seeing people, you know, just move forward and and um I'd say the bad guy would be us, our family. Just being in Minnetonka. And me not being able to decipher, like, okay, is this wrong because we're black, or is this wrong because of illness? Like, what, which is wrong? And like constantly feeling like we're wrong or out of place, and just like we stayed to ourselves. I would say I felt like a bad, the bad guy, or family. Does that make any sense? I see
0: what you mean. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, you are always feeling that your family is being judged.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. And the
0: the craziness that it actually comes means- from. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> Um, but not being able to know what um, because, you know, people don't come out and say. Yeah, sadly. Exactly. <laughs> we're giving you some,
1: you know. Some of the ways that people would say it, and it starts off with um, school, of course, and to this day, I have a huge problem with martyr syndrome because of this, but it's kind of like the, I'm gonna save a little black baby thing with the teachers. It's like, I had ch- I gotta save this child, mm-hmm. and like, are you sure you're okay Oh, your mom? You know, she... You sure everything's going good? And just like this whole need for, you know, these these de- these teachers uh, and faculty to try to save us. And, you know, when you keep getting someone trying to save you, like, what am I being saved from? You know, why um, am I getting the kid gloves so much compared to everyone else? And it's like, okay, well, something's wrong. Well, here goes my eulogy. So, just close your eyes and you can picture, like, really fancy, uh, like, nighttime shindig kind of thing going on over a casket.
0: Um, so, like, a cocktail party? So, it's like, your casket's in and people are still milling about? Or are they silent?
1: Yeah, but, it, like, you know, Roaring Twenties-ish-esque. Oh, okay. Little Lady Gaga-esque, yeah. Um, here slays Lamisha Sherelle Johnson born February 19, 1991, in the pits of Chicago, risen to superficial Minnetonka, and came alive at the age of 28. LaMisha, also known as Misha, was beloved and the life of the party, able to hide any traces of self-suffering with a sarcastic pun, lived out the best version of herself as a self-proclaimed and global award-winning artist who loved her work so much. She felt every day was retirement, which helped her live out her final days with peace and effortlessness. This story ends better than the beginning. Thank God.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you uh, so much for coming on and talking about all this stuff. Thank you for having Uh, me. This has been your eulogy. Um, My name is Matthew Schneeman. I produced, edited, and did the music for this episode, though I might use some other song for your eulogy. Do you have any song preference for when you said Roaring Twenties? You could just do Lady Gaga anything. Uh, The song you hear underneath is White Knight Instrumentals, Lady Gaga, like karaoke band. I think this sounds cool. (laughs) Thank you. If you have any questions, please give me a email at your eulogymail at gmail.com. Thank you very much. I will see you next week.